welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me again this afternoon. I'm so Dan Galinsky. What's up, guys? What's going on, man? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Not a whole lot to complain about after last night. Uh, the Cavaliers, after struggling a little bit, beat, lost to the Hawks, lost to the Heat. They did beat the Celtics. They are now at 15-25, and 25, uh, still near the bottom of that Eastern Conference. Uh, but a positive game to end this kind of little rough stretch on as of late. The Hawks game, in particular, I thought was a rough one. I believe they lost that, what, 100-92? Yeah, and they, they lost to Miami, another just kind of frustrating one, one thirteen ninety eight. Bounced back against Boston, getting to 117, uh, beating them 117-110. to um, A flip kind of seemed to switch in this, in this last game. Uh, and I think part of it is the Celtics are also struggling mightily. Last time I checked, I think, I think their record is twenty and twenty right now. Um, and I think Brian Scalabrini said it. This, this team just does not have an identity right now. They are just struggling mightily. They just yes, the Cavaliers played well in that game, but uh, the, the Celtics I think were also just at they're probably at what is going to end up being the lowest point in their season if I had to guess. Um, but just kind of looking at this this three game stretch, uh, Amadou, I'll start with you. What do you think was the biggest thing on the Cavs' side that kind of changed from these first couple games where they really, really, really just looked, you know, out of sorts and out of rhythm to this this Boston game where something kind of clicked? I just feel like it's just that right there. It seemed like something had to have just clicked. Um, personally, I think maybe it's an engagement thing. You know, they're coming off that all-star break. Maybe, you know, players were a little rusty and such like that. And we're implementing back Kevin Love as well as Larry Nance Jr., so, I mean, those guys haven't played for – Roy Larry Nance hasn't played the last six or so weeks. We know Kevin Love hasn't played since um, 
uh, December. Uh, obviously, you know, he's injured again now, but I feel like just implementing those guys back, um, having more engagement. And I feel like this last game against the Celtics, the Cavs looked to play with more pace, um, which I like to see. It was not much stagnant offense, you know, it was just, you know, go, 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 go. Um, so I really enjoyed seeing that during the Celtics game. Yeah, against the Celtics, they definitely, 117 is an impressive number for this team to reach this year. That's not something that they just do regularly. Uh, and you just look at the box score numbers alone, which are, you know, obviously raw stats, but Colin put up 29, Darius put up 25. Uh, that was maybe the best game for the duo that we've seen all year. Maybe not their best individual performances, but a really rock-solid game from them. Isaac Okoro was hitting some shots. He shot 5 for 5 from the free throw line, ended up with 15 points. Uh, Larry with an 18 and 10 game. You know, also had a couple of assists, a couple of blocks, or a couple of steals and a block. Um, overall, like I said, they just kind of seemed to get into a rhythm early on. Uh, you know, some some dreadful shooting nights uh, throughout some of these games, and that kind of alleviated itself. We saw Jetty come to life a little bit in this last game. You know, he hit a couple threes. He shot four for five from the line, uh, ended up with ten points, which I think, you know, after you know the, the, the last couple of times that, we, we, we've, we've seen him play. It's just a nice little... It, it was nice to see him at least look competent on a basketball floor. Um, Dan, what, was you, what would you say is the biggest thing that uh, swung the Cavaliers from where they were to the, this past game against the Celtics? Yeah, I think even in the, the game prior against Miami, I mean, there were turnovers, yes. Um, they had some issues with that heat zone. Uh, Colin was... Uh, had some issues getting with those traps, as as we've seen, um, kind of throughout the season. When that's been the case, um, they were blitzing him a lot. And granted, I thought Nance did a good job, kind of in those four and three situations. I, I'd like to see him even get more involved as a passer. I think I, I mean I, I've probably am, have said that probably more than most people at this point. Uh, but we. That just shows um, his value, um, e- even in that Heat game. I thought did a good job. It's it's just nice to get him back in there, uh, and he's he's looked assertive as a scorer some too, which has been good to see. And I, I just thought from kind of that fourth quarter on, they were able to keep that momentum from that uh, Heat game going in this last game. But I, just to kind of give your boy um, Dean Wade his love. His, he's just been the guy who really stuck out to me. Um, continue to, I mean, aside from kind of Darius Garland and um, the normal cast of characters we talk about, but um, it's just kind of Carter Rodriguez kind of pointed out um, the Chase Down Pod kind of just tweeted out like that one um, instance when Dean Wade uh, had that three off movement. I thought that was kind of a momentum uh, kind of getting back momentum type play. And I just think what he's been able to bring, I think he's shooting like 39% from three now in the year. Um, Just done a really good job. And defensively, just can't rave about him enough. Just always active. And I just just love watching him play lately. Yeah, I I get... Obviously, he's not the best defender in the the league. But I, I do... I always enjoy watching Dean Wade play defense, just because. Positionally, so sound. There, there, there's just something. There's just something about it that I just enjoy. Yeah. Uh, positionally, yeah, just sound. 
Uh, never really gets beat off dribble penetration, like very rarely, uh, especially against you know guys that play the same position as him. If, if he's on guard, sometimes he can struggle there, and that's understandable. But I think even against guards, he does a good job of keeping guys in front. Uh, you mentioned the activity. I think that is there as well. Um, not somebody who plays, you know, a ton of minutes. So, you know, he's not always getting big, uh, you know, big steals and big block nights. But you, you, you can you can just notice that the, activi- the activity levels are always there. Uh, and, yes, I, I saw that from uh, Carter Rodriguez on Twitter as well, just kind of talking about him shooting off movement. If he's going to start hitting those shots, um, shots that, when we, again, talking about, our concerns with Dean Wade coming into the season, kind of, you know, being confident and just, is he, you know, going to just shoot regardless of, of, you know, whether he's over two or over three or whatever, is he just going to take every shot with confidence? I think he's answered that question. I mean, he is shooting the ball well right now and it's easier to shoot the ball well when you're confident or it's easier to shoot well confidently when you're shooting the ball. Well, I don't know what I tried to say there, but um, anyway, he is shooting with a lot of confidence. He's, he's, kind of up to the difficulty degree of shots, and he's still continuing to hit him. Um, he's attacking the rim a little bit more as well, I think, too. Uh, not so much off of, you know, dribble penetration by himself, but there was one play against the Celtics where I believe it was, was it Darius or Colin or someone threw him the ball and he'd really sort in for a dunk and kind of had to fight through a little bit of contact to get there. So good to see from him, absolutely. Um Amadou, what have you seen from from Dean Wade, especially just as of late, that has stood out to you? I just feel like Dean Wade has just been very active as of late, you know, defensively and offensively. He's moving off the ball defensively. You know, he's really, you know, a guy who, I mean, coming to the season, you probably would have never thought Dean Wade would be playing as good as a defense as he's been playing now. Just his ability to stay in front of his man has been great. Um, and he just always seems to make the right play, you know, never tries to force anything or, you know, take a bad shot. You know, most of his shots are really high IQ shots. And that that's what I love from a player like Dean Wade. You know, you're a guy undrafted who last season, you know, you weren't really getting much minutes now with certain injuries and stuff. That's what you have to do. You have to make the right play. And he's been doing that. Dan, you mentioned them kind of struggling with the zone against Miami. I think that was kind of the case against Boston, too. They went into kind of a, a high pressure uh, defense with a little bit of zone there later in the game and seemed to have some success with it. The, the Celtics did. Uh, that was kind of part of the run that got him back into the game. They forced some Cavalier turnovers. And as usual, that was kind of the thing that, that got them, you know, in a little bit of trouble with the Cavaliers. Do you see the Cavs offense against zones as a concern? And what do you think they could do better? I don't know if it's necessarily a concern in that way. And they did seem to make an adjustment. Um, didn't so much use kind of fours and fives as the, there were a couple of possessions uh, with issues there. Um, seemed to use kind of have more off-ball stuff to kind of counter that and, and get the ball in Nance quicker if need be um, in the middle of that. So I, I think that's kind of the adjustment for them. They haven't had him, uh, I mean, for uh, up until – I guess post All Star, I think that really will help them make that adjustment, um, and it's kind of a way to just counter those blitzes. And I just think it's they were able to figure it out there. Um, but half of it to me is they just have, have just missed wide open shots. And I mean, if you're missing corner threes badly, as as they were against Miami, that that makes things kind of misleading in that way. Um, so I think they've kind of been able to figure that out in, in over the course of the last, like since that fourth quarter, if you will. 
Um, and I, I just think with Nance in there, there's there's been more off ball stuff just in general. And that's the same way with Dean Wade. He he knows how to cut, set up cuts, um, not time things too early, but know when to move as well. Um, and I, I think I, I still like to see have seen Windler in there a little bit more. He just hasn't really been that involved in the last couple of game couple games. But I think they'll make that adjustment here. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's Nance will help and. Yeah, Jetty was able to hit water yesterday, um, which is is a positive sign, generally speaking, because um, that really hasn't been the case. So I think that um, overall, I think just kind of hitting those corner threes, um, the more they can generate those, you kind of have to live with that. And you were talking about Dylan Windler, and he has kind of – I think it's – the reintroduction to Larry Nance in the lineup has not been great for Windler. Uh, over these past three games, against Atlanta, he played 16 minutes. Uh, against Miami, he only played five. And against uh, the Celtics, he played ten and a half. Like I said, Larry Nance uh, being back and playing, you know, last night he played 36 minutes. Uh, Isaac is playing 35 minutes. You know, just kind of in those, those forward spots. Um, Dean Wade obviously getting his share of minutes as well in these past couple games, and I think he deserves those minutes. That leaves you with kind of the debate between who should be getting minutes between Jetty Osmond and Dylan Windler. Uh, and I think you can kind of lump Lamar Stevens into this conversation too. Uh, we can, you know, get to him in a little bit. Uh, Lamar Stevens is another guy who we really have not seen any of over the past, you know, since the All-Star break really. But Amadou, I'll ask you this. Uh, even with Jetty hitting water last night uh, against the Celtics, do you think that we should see his minutes start to? I think we have a little bit, but you know, continue to kind of slowly creep down and reintroduce Windler kind of back into the lineup and or a guy like Stevens. Yeah, I do believe so because we all know Jetty. Um, he hit water this game, but next game, it it probably won't be the same story. Um, I don't know. Jetty hasn't really done anything to really wow the Cavaliers, I believe, and to show that maybe he deserves minutes over Windler. And you can talk about Windler's offensive woes, how he hasn't really been able to find that three-point shot since, you know, he went nine for nine in those two games. Um, but I don't know. I feel like as the season progresses, his shooting will start to come back again. I think he's still, you know, trying to really, you know, get his feet under him and just become accustomed to the NBA. Uh, so, and also defensively, I feel like he's, he's a lot better than uh, Jay Asman, you know. Dylan Willard has active hands on defense. Um, his wingspan is pretty long, too. So, you know, he has that reach to stay in front of defenders and, you know, just really play good defense. Um, and, yeah, that's why I believe, honestly, he should definitely start to see more minutes than Jetty Osmond. It doesn't take much to be a better defender than Jetty. But, um, Dan, are you kind of in agreement here as well uh, with the whole Dylan Windler thing and just kind of slowly putting him into that Jetty Osmond role? Um, I think, you know, part, and we talk about all the Dylan Windler struggles. I think, you know, he's always a guy who's, he's never really been, you know, an offensive initiator, at least not with this team. Um, I would like to see him kind of get in the lineup or when he does get in the game, kind of force the issue a little bit. I won't even say force the issue, but just get up some shots. And it's hard to do that in 10 minutes, 10 and a half minutes, you know, 15 minutes, one night, five minutes, the other 10 minutes, the next you know, just not knowing what your role is going to be, I'd like to see him be able to just kind of shoot through whatever slump he's going through right now 
And like I said, I think it's just it's difficult with inconsistent minutes to do that. Um, like I said, I think other than Jetty, I'm not really sure where the minutes are supposed to come from. Would you say? I guess you know, in a night where Jetty plays eighteen and a half and Dylan plays ten and a half, do you give Dylan eight of those? What would you do? Yeah, I'd probably do that. Uh, I think I'm also just factoring the rumors with with Osman. Um, I, I think there's some validity to those, and um, we'll have to see as far as what a deal would be. Um, but even just looking onward as the season progresses, I mean, considering, I mean, before the last game, Jetty had been mightily struggling, and we've seen, Grant, we've seen lineups, um, plenty of instances with Windler and um, Osman in the game, and honestly, that's kind of more what I'm getting at is I, I think we'll see them both in there a fair amount um, just because, I mean, prior to that Boston game, I think it was in like the last nine or so or maybe eight or so games where Okoro was playing like tw- sub 27 minutes a night. So, uh, I mean, if he's playing better, that's more than fine. But I, I just think eventually, given the shooting woes for Jay, I know Windler has had his ups and downs, but he has shown he can get really hot and, frankly, it just brings more defensively. Um, I, I think, regardless, I think he'll end up getting 18, 19 minutes when it's all, I mean, all things considered. And it, it's hard to say, like, in the immediate time right here, but I think if he just, if they just find a way to get those two in, maybe have have those kind of three-wing lineups we've seen, uh, I think they're just going to have to find a way to get him on the floor. And if, yeah, I mean, I, but yeah, I would be my, in my opinion, I'd be cutting Jetty's minutes down considerably. Um, but it's, it's tough. You say if you, if you want to put them on the floor together, are you taking those minutes away from Okoro? Yeah. Who again, I, we've talked about in the past, you know, could, could stand to maybe play a few less. Yeah. I, I think that 27 or so minute realm, which is, Roughly six minutes less than what he's averaged on the year, I think would be good. Um, just because, at least with Jetty, I mean, he is a good passer. I have to give him that. Uh, and even if the assist totals don't necessarily show it, he is productive in that way. But with Windler, there's just, I mean, he has deeper range, uh, much more viable as a finisher on cuts, too. So, I, but yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Amadou, with with all these guys that are, you know, needing to kind of get minutes, obviously we, we, we talk about, you know, Jetty and, and Isaac, you know, maybe staying to lose a couple, but I think, you know, Larry getting, you know, his full share of minutes again is what needs to happen for this team. Uh, we can talk about Dylan Windler also getting minutes. Tarian Prince, again, with, with trade deadline being really very close now, we'll have to see what happens. But assuming that all these guys are here for the, t- you know, the current right now, and we'll, we'll see if Tarian is here past the deadline or not. Obviously, honestly, with with the shoulder injury that he has and the the trade deadline being as close as it is, uh, we may have seen Tarian Prince's last game with the Cavs. We'll we'll just have to see. He could very well come back. I'm not, you know, predicting that, but it's a very real possibility. But um, assuming that Tarian Prince does come back into the fold, how do you kind of see the rotation, at least the wing rotation, shaking out with all these guys? Um, Do you think Lamar Stevens... I, I just, I don't really see where you can get minutes for him right now if you have to, you know, play... Tarion, if you have to play Jetty, if you want to get more minutes for Windler, 
how do you think all that works out? Yeah, it's going to be extremely tough. Um, like you said, I do believe Lamar Stevens, unfortunately, will be fizzled out. Um, it's just not really anywhere for him to get minutes. Um, but I think you probably have to take away some minutes from Okoro, just a tad bit, because he is playing, I believe, the most minutes out of anybody, out of any rookie this season. So you can take a little bit from him per game, um, possibly give those to Windler. And then also you have Torian Prince coming back. It'll, it'll be tough. I, I definitely see some of these guards, or excuse me, some of these wing players playing more, you know, shooting guard because it seems like, you know, Damian Dotson, his minutes has also been kind of fizzled out as well. So I feel like, you know, that role, the backup two guard, that's kind of where I see, you know, more Jetty Osmond play because we see Jetty Osmond be like a, a main ball handler at times when he's on the court. Um, so you can definitely see him in that type of role there. And uh, Windler, Prince, I feel like those guys will continue to play the same roles that we see them play currently. And then Okoro will, of course, continue to do what he does. Obviously, Jared Allen deserves to play, you know, heavy minutes at the center. Um, and and JaVale McGee has been playing very, very well as well. Uh, I think, you know, especially against the Celtics, he had a fine night. And we, we get we get our JaVale fix every game. The I don't know. What did he do against the Celtics? He tried to, like, whip a pass somewhere that, like, got deflected and then he got it back and he tried to drive in for, like, a really difficult layup. I, I don't know. But it's entertainment, if nothing else. Um, I, I don't know if you should really – and, again, like, he played 11 minutes last night and we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But um, would you be open to playing some Larry Nance, Larry Nance at the five – minutes um something we really haven't been seeing at all as of late i think that would be a way to get some of these wings involved you could i mean it it would obviously be a small lineup but you could go with nance at the five you could go lamar stevens at the four uh and then you know your combination of windler okoro jetty you know mix dean in there for lamar but uh dan is that something that you would like to experiment with at least a little bit more than we're seeing or are you happy with where lanance is now Maybe a little bit more, not admittedly not a ton, um, just because Nance is at what six seven, and it's not. I mean, it's nowhere close to like the love stuff um, historically. But he has has missed time before throughout his career, and I, I just feel like that might be. I mean, depending on if there are other teams going small as a counter, sure, um, but yeah, dictating in that sense, I, I'd I'd rather not have a possibility of Nance getting hurt, having to guard kind of burlier centers um, in that way. I'll ask, I guess I'll ask either Samadu, could Dean Wade play center? Could we see it? I'm, I'm just talking in small lineups. I'm just talking in spurts. Maybe, you know, for a max of like, you know, the last three or four minutes to end a quarter. Would you like to see some of these kind of more small lineups? And again, obviously, if it's against a traditional center, you don't do it. But would you like to kind of see the Cavs play a little bit more small ball and just to as a way to introduce some more of the wings into the lineup? Yeah, why not? I'm all for it. Uh, Dean Wade, about 6'9", so, you know, he's an ideal size for a small ball center. In certain matchups, I'd be all for it. It will help with spacing, um, and I feel like that's a, a big thing for this team right now. As we talk about, a lot of teams are starting to run more zone on the Cavaliers because I think those teams live with guys like Larry Nance Jr. and Isaac Okoro being you from three. Having Dean Wade out there with one of the wing players um, really helps with our spacing and should hopefully open up the offense more. 
Did I know we, we just talked about Larry Nance and, you know, a, a little bit of injury concern with playing him against bigger players. Uh, I think the same can kind of be said for Dean Wade, obviously someone who has been able to stay healthy for his NBA career, but dealt with some stuff in college. Do you kind of have the same concerns there with Dean as you do with Larry? Yeah, it, it's mainly just from potential for injury. Um, that, that's that's all I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, offensively, in theory, yeah, that's what you're looking for. Um, and, and in spurts here and there, that's fine. Um, I, I just, at least with Nance, uh, it, it, in terms of like positional versatility, I'd rather have him at the three um, in that way as opposed to the five. And he's he's kind of, I mean, before kind of hit it out, hinting at how he's um, kind of not necessarily, uh, it's just kind of like averse to playing the five. And that's, true that, that's well. just just from a comfortability standpoint for players, that's kind of what I'm alluding to. I want to get into Quinn Cook a little bit. Someone who has gotten into every game that he uh, has played with the Cavs, or at least been on the roster for with the Cavs. Uh, against Atlanta, played 18 minutes, uh, had kind of a rough shooting night, two for eight from the field. Uh, got a few assists, ended with five points. Uh, saw his role decline a little bit steadily. Uh, 13 minutes against the Heat. Again, didn't shoot the ball great. And then last night against the Celtics, only played just under three and a half minutes. Really didn't do anything while he was in the game. Uh, ended up with, at least on a box score, he ended up with a foul, and that was it. Um, I don't know. I think the Quint Cook experiment has gone fine. I think they definitely needed him a little bit more before Darius was kind of – before Darius was healthy, and especially we saw that in the first game. He was a nice boost off the bench. Um Amadou, I'll start with you on this one. I think this is pretty much... I, I, it's yet to be seen if they give Quinn Cook an, a, another 10-day or if they give him a rest of the season. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to find out. But how do you, how do you feel that the Quinn Cook uh, little experiment that we've gotten here has gone? Yeah, I feel like the experience, experience has been great. Um, maybe not great, but, you know, it's been it's been good. Um Quinn Cook provides us with backup point guard minutes, you know, something we haven't seen all year. We've been playing guys um, like Damian Dotson there, who I feel like that's that's a spot where he's just not really comfortable in. Of course, we brought in Ryogi Farrell um, to play two games before um, he was waived after that trade. Um, but, yeah, I do believe that Quinn Cook, honestly, at the very least, he deserves a second contract, you know, in a second 10-day. And we'll see when or if. Uh, Matthew Delville comes back this year, how that will affect his chances of getting the rest of the year contract. But the minutes have been solid, you know, having another ball handler, kind of, you know, their own shot creator off the bench has definitely been needed for Cavaliers. It's been a little bit of a struggle defensively when he's been out there. And again, that's something we expect. He's a small guard who just, you know, I mean, the reason that he's signing 10 days, obviously he, he has the shot creation there, but the defensive end is just... Never been his strength, but it, it can be kind of hard to keep him on the floor for that reason. But I think, you know, in spurts, we've seen some good things from him. Um, Dan, I kind of mentioned that I thought we would kind of see Quinn Cook hijack some more possessions than he did, just kind of trying to, you know, showcase, you know, what is what he's able to do. Uh, I, I don't really think that was the case so much. And obviously, he didn't shoot the ball great, but I don't think he ever took over possessions. Um even with some poor shooting nights, were you happy with the way that De- they're not that Dean Wade, but that Quinn, that Quinn Cook played during this little stretch? Yeah, I think with him, he is a sensible ball mover. He's not generally going to 
really force things. And I think, but at the same time, he's a guy that can at least space the floor for you, even if, um, it, like in that Atlanta game, wasn't hitting shots. Um, but yeah, I think he's just a heady guy. And I mean, defensively, it's not, you're not getting him or weren't interested in him for that. But I think he actually has done a decent job, at least positionally. And is actually kind of tagged rollers fairly well from what I've seen. And, um, yeah, I think it was good to see him in those situations. And I think it's just the way he is with the ball. I think it's, and especially in those situations against zone, it is even, it was kind of odd seeing him with Darius Garland a bit. Um, but it is kind of a nice guy to have for like those four on three situations. If you're anticipating those, um, to come, it's just kind of like an added, uh, wrinkle, but I think uh, just as a side note, real quick, one of the key things I think just watching recent games um, and not having Delhi in there because we're not sure about the timeline with him um, just yet. It's it's clear that in the really in the draft, it would be it's just evident that they need to get a guy that can be a, kind of that third ball handler type role guy and. Amadou recently did something on Jalen Green, just kind of highlighting that. Um, and just when it comes to extra kind of playmakers, and just more you watch it, um, I, I, I think Cook has done fine, but the, adding an, a high-level kind of extra third, kind of, to me, like playmaking wing, um, both in the shooting and playmaking sense is, is just kind of key for just looking down the road. We'll have to start talking a little bit more about draft stuff uh, here on the pod. Um, kind of getting closer to that time. Uh, college seasons are starting to wrap up. Obviously, we have the tournament coming in. It's an interesting conversation. There are a few guys there at the top, obviously, that I think we'll, we'll start getting into here soon. Uh, but that's not for today. I want to talk about the – I won't say we, – we've talked about the best player in the past. But I feel like, especially, you know, just being – on Twitter and looking at, you know, Cavs Twitter in particular, the love for Darius Garland is at an all-time high, uh, especially having, you know, the stretch where the Cavaliers struggled greatly without him, and uh, it was very, very clear that they were struggling because he was not there. Uh, just his ball-moving abilities and, and playmaking abilities and having another shot creator on the floor, uh, the Cavaliers sorely missed it. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. I want to ask, and I'll start with you on this one, Dan. The MVP of the Cavs right now, obviously Colin Sexton, um, you know, the scorer, the the kind of the main guy that you think of when you think of the Cavs' young core, at least it seems like in most people's eyes. Um, the guy who you know, had a legitimate 
all-star, you know, conversation, at least, you know, at one point in the season before the, the dreadful losing streak. At this current moment in the year, who is your Cavs MVP? I think I'd have to go with Garland. Um, just uh, at least for the first quarter of the season, I had Nance, but then the injury happened with him. Um, I, I have to go with Garland just because when he's in there, um, his ability to create for himself, um, the shooting he provides, at least in terms of spacing, um, it just seems like that's really been on display in instances of late. And just his ability or abilities to kind of get other guys involved in, in a, a number of ways. Um, it's it's tough with Colin just because of the raw production um, with him, but with Garland, just how he's able to kind of balance those two things to me is what stands out. You mentioned Larry Nance, who I think you know also had a very, very real case early on in the season. I think he has a very real case now. Um, Jared Allen even you know had had a, a very real conversation there for a stretch, especially after that trade. He had you know a terrific stretch of games. Amadou, who's your guy right now, and is your answer different now than it was earlier in the season? Um, my answer is still the same as it was in the season. I do believe that it is currently. Still Colin Sexton, but it is extremely, extremely close. Like Dan said, Darius Garland, his ability to just, you know, just have that combination of passing and scoring and shooting. We obviously haven't seen that since, you know, a guy like Kyrie Irving. But um it's 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 extremely close. But I still say Colin Sexton just because Colin is that guy for us. You know, he's our go to scorer. You know, in the clutch when we need a bucket, that's the guy that we look towards. Um, I don't know, the offense, I, don't, I wouldn't say it kind of revolves around him, but when we're orchestrating our offense, you know, we look to him as, you know, the first option for a last shot, you know, but um, yeah, I do think it's extremely close. It could change, you know, towards the end of the season. We'll see how the second half ends, but right now I feel like it is definitely Colin Sexton. I'm in agreement with you here, Amadou. Uh, I, I think... You know, especially right now with Garland having, you know, a really terrific stretch of basketball and Colin kind of struggling, you know, post-All-Star break. He's had a couple poor shooting nights. Uh, I am still going to go with Colin. Um, I think you know, we, we talk about you know, kind of the, the struggles that this team had with Darius off the floor. And obviously, you know, the ball movement was missed. But I think part of that was just the fact that Colin did have a rough stretch of games as well. And I think the offense without him, you know, at... A hundred percent, you know, you know, strength, Colin Sexton, you know, not, you know, kind of going through a, a poor shooting stretch. I do believe that that is still the most important player for this team. Um, the most valuable player, whatever you want to say. I just feel like you said, the, the scoring is just. It's there in a way that it's just not there for anyone else. Uh, I think that, 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 that the offense, when he is not going can really, really, really be difficult just because, again, when the offense gets bogged down, you got to get it to a guy who can create his own shot. And I think that Darius is getting there, but he's still not there at that level. Um, we talk about the immense value of Larry Nance, uh, but that's not something that he's going to provide exactly. Um, Jared Allen, I think, has a very real case. Obviously, he's someone who has been kind of quiet since the All-Star break as well. Uh, but I think he has been incredibly valuable for this team uh, down low, especially in the absence of Andre Drummond. Uh, 
really not only picking up the slack from what he was doing earlier in the season, but really providing a huge boost from what he was near the end. So I'm going to go with Colin. I think it is a very close race between all four of those guys, really. But um, that would be my pick. I want to get into a little bit of trade talk. Andre Drummond, we got it. We, we our, our every episode Andre Drummond segment is here uh, talking about whatever the heck is going on. It's almost here. The trade deadline is March 25th. Um, this will be up on the 19th. We are very, very, very close. Something is going to happen, whether it's a trade or a buyout. The Knicks seem to be a very real possibility still. I would say the most likely possibility. Um, obviously, they have the cap space that would make it much easier. They have some tradable pieces. Kevin Knox, Frank Nilkina. Um, we, we've talked about all of this. They have draft picks. They, they have a chest of assets that they could go after Andre Drummond, who is not going to be very expensive other than his contract. Amadou, I'll ask you this. Do you think that Andre Drummond is the right target for the Knicks? Uh, they're a team that has obviously been in the Victor Oladipo conversation. Uh, recent reports are saying that they're going after Lonzo. Uh, do you think that there's – would you say that Drummond is still the guy to target there? Uh, do you think a guy like Lonzo is even available? Do you think there's someone else that they should be going after? Yeah, I don't think a guy like Lonzo is available even if they would want to get him. He, you know, like we stated previously on the podcast, I feel like he's played his way out of trade discussions, um, at least for this season. You know, you never know. But either way, um, I do believe that, you know, Andre Drummond is probably the guy that the Knicks should look towards unless, you know, they're looking at maybe – you know, a Harrison Barnes or something, but either way, um, the Knicks, I feel like they're very aggressive at trying to make the playoffs this year. So they can use as much talent as they could get. Andre Drummond is on a one year deal and more than likely you have to give up a young player that either way isn't really part of your future plans. I want to say, I, I don't think Frank Nillikina will be back with them next season. If I'm going to be honest. So I feel like that trade right there just, just makes the most sense. You know, you get a guy who Andre Drummond when is engaged can really be a plus on the defensive end. Um, offensively, you know, there, there can be some issues, but I feel like a team that is coached by Tom Thibodeau, you know, he's really a hard-nosed coach. I feel like I feel like we can definitely see him bring the best out of Andre Drummond. Obviously, yeah, with the Knicks, there are plenty of pieces that could come back, and we've talked about Frank Nielkina, Kevin Knox, uh, whether it's a second-round pick, we'll just have to see. The, the Knicks are a team, too, that don't really have a lot of bad money. Uh, most of their guys are coming off the books next season. Uh, the guys who aren't are Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, uh, Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson, and Ignis Brezdink. So there's there's really no bad money there. You know That's something that the Cavaliers have... Uh, has been reported is that you know they would be willing to take back some bad money if there was an intriguing, you know, young player coming back with it. We've also heard some reports saying that the Cavaliers' asking price for Drummond has been as low as one second round pick. Um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you kind of you know all about all of this, Dan. Um, do you think that Andre is the right target for the Knicks? Do you think that there's someone else who they should go after? Do you think that Lonzo is even available? Uh, and at this point, I'm not sure what it would even be that we'd be getting from the Knicks. Obviously, Frank Nittlekina, I think, would be the most valued piece in the Cavs' eyes. I'm not sure if they're willing to give up him. It might be a Kevin Knox. Would that be enough for you? Yeah, I, I think with him, I mean, if you were able to bring him in, that's key. 
Um, I, I'd be for that, frankly. And for Kevin Knox, <sighs> or for Frank? Uh, for Frank, uh, it, yes, I, I'd just like to get him in here. Um, is is a developmental uh, kind of point guard, and I just think it's a guy you could end up bringing back in a minimum deal that would be a valuable player, frankly. And I just think it's something to get back for Drummond, given that you really didn't give up anything for him. Um, and I, I guess with the Knicks, yeah, uh, I, I guess going out and getting him would be um, at least I, I we've mayor we've touched on Drummond and um, ad nauseum here. And there's always that concern when you're going out and getting him from a kind of motivational, uh, I guess, kind of motor perspective. But if, if there is one guy that you could see getting it out of him is Tibbs. And I just think for them, yeah, if it doesn't work and they end up – they seem like they are – I mean, could very well make the playoffs here. And I, I don't love it from a Julius Randle kind of fit standpoint, but I just think for them, when Robinson is back in there, I, I personally would start him um, just because it takes, it allows Randle to kind of occupy more of the ball, and that's worked for them a lot. And you just have to kind of figure out that if some way, if need be. Um, but yeah, it'd be a sensible move by the Knicks. I couldn't really blame them. And if, if they don't make the playoffs, like what, what's the big deal there? Um, so, but yeah, if, if the Cavs, I mean, if you're able to get them and, and or get Frank Nielkina, that'd be, I think that would be a very, uh, could be a very impactful ad. And here in this situation, kind of away from Tibbs, I think he actually, in the backup point guard kind of, stuff and or lack thereof I think it actually be could have a very uh, good case for like real minutes I agree with you there yeah um, just kind of talking about some other spots uh, with Drummond obviously we are getting very close to something happening uh, Toronto is pretty much off the list of you know trade candidates at this point with Norman Powell playing the way that he has um, the Norman Powell to Cleveland dream is pretty much dead at this point at least via trade um, had 43 points last night um, in a game with no assists, and I think the Raptors even lost that game. But um, playing too well to be involved in the JaVale, or not a JaVale, but an Andre Drummond trade, uh, JaVale, McTree, JaVale McGee trade as well. Um, one other team just to keep an eye for is Washington, uh, who is reportedly keeping tabs on Drummond, uh, more likely in a buyout situation, uh, similar to uh, Brooklyn, who has a disabled player exception for Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, the Washington Wizards have one for Thomas Bryant, who tore his ACL and is out for the rest of the season. They would be able to offer him $4.2 million on a one-year deal that way. Uh, so something is going to happen with Andre. We'll just have to figure out what just, it is. I want to talk a little bit about Just as one quick little ad. If I'm the Knicks, personally, I, I we know the deal with Drummond. He can be very productive, but given that Robinson, frankly, I, I'd probably start anyway. If I were them, I would maybe look at trying to go out and get Robin Lopez while we're on the Wiz kind of subject and or like with Wayne Ellington, too, and send out. I mean, I don't, the Pistons, it doesn't seem like want anything other than a second round pick for Wayne Ellington. So to me, that adding those two could kind of kind of supplement that even. 
It could. Uh, and I think part of it is being New York, too. they're going to go for the bigger name. But they, yeah, they do need shooting. The The Knicks definitely do. Uh, not a whole lot of space with Derrick Rose and R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle and a bunch of f- forwards and bigs that can't shoot. But, um, yeah, it, it, obviously the Knicks have interest. Uh, they've been a rumored trade name for a long time. Uh, there was a report, I think, that came out that they were even interested in free agency and signing him to a multi-year yeah. deal. So, I think it was Amico, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the, the interest is clearly there. Uh, we'll just have to see what happens. I want to talk a little bit about JaVale McGee, too. Um, someone who I think the Drummond domino has to fall first because most teams have their eye on him over JaVale. But I think JaVale is going to kind of be the second guy in this whole situation. Uh, someone who clearly has value and who clearly has teams that would be interested in acquiring him and only making, you know, four point something million dollars on an expiring. He's very, very, you know, gettable for teams. Amadou, where are you at with JaVale McGee right now? Uh, would you rather trade him or would you rather just kind of keep him the rest of the season, have him around as the backup center or, uh, and explore resigning him at the end of the season? Yeah, personally, I'm kind of at a crossroads for me. I feel like if there's a deal out there where you can get multiple seconds back for him, I feel like you'd, you'd take that deal. If not, I think probably the better option, honestly, is to keep him just because, I mean, J.B. Pickerstaff talks about having that culture, and McGee really seems to be a culture type of guy. You know, he's a nice locker room presence at the very least to have on the team. And even, you know, when he's playing, despite, you know, some of the mishaps and things that he might he might do, he's still a solid rim protector uh, a nice lob threat. We've seen lob threats, you know, play extremely well alongside Darius Garland. So I, I could definitely see the Cavs looking to resign him at the season's end. Do you think that I, I get, you know, I've seen a lot of people saying that, you know, the Cavaliers should just keep JaVale and resign him uh, this offseason. Do you think that JaVale McGee would be interested in resigning with this team? Do you think you would try to bolt for a contender? Uh, and what, what do you think his market is going to be this offseason? Um, I think it. It all depends on the money. Honestly, I don't think, obviously, you won't have to break the bank on trying to get a JaVale McGee, but I don't know. It seems like he's kind of embraced Cleveland. I mean, he has this little, like, short film type of thing he does after every win and stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not too sure how long he's been doing that, but he's doing that here. You really see him talking to the young guys a lot. I don't know. You know, when you see JaVale, you really see smiles. I just feel like he wants to go to a team where he's wanted. And I think, at least for right now, he's wanted in Cleveland. So I feel like that's that's probably big for him. Dan, I'll use Robin Lopez, who we just talked about, as a reference point. Uh, he got $7.3 million in free agency on a one-year deal this offseason, or this past offseason. Um, again, just kind of using that as a reference point, um, what would you say that JaVale McGee's market would likely be this offseason? And... Are you more on the the trade him now side and get an asset, or would you be interested in keeping him and trying to resign him? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. Um, I, I just think looking at how the contract for him right now, um, but with Lopez, he can at least. I mean, not necessarily a shooter. I'm not saying he is, but has at least shown some pick and pop viability, and well, hasn't Javale? Uh, Oh yeah, 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 right. Um, I don't know about seven million, but yeah, I'm I'm with Amadou. I'd like to see him retained. I'm not saying it'll happen. Not certain either way, but 
Um, I, I just think what he's been able to provide, I think he's really kind of been quite the bargain at this point. But I, I just think it's – I kind of go back and forth on it because, yeah, I'm uh, obviously players would probably like to be in situations where they're going to win. Um, but the Cavs next year, I think they have a real chance for like being a playoff team, frankly, um, given that the young core will have another year under their belt. Uh possibility to get kind of a, I'd say like a contributor in free agency. I I think they very well could. Um, and, and certainly have a chance of getting a contributor in the draft. Yeah. And I just think with him, I, I think he's a guy that could kind of, he's seen, I mean, he's obviously been playing a, a, or been a real contributor, but I think next year, I think there's a good chance uh, that they could maybe keep him or get him back and kind of just sell him on, like, the Channing Fry role maybe in his last year. Um, he, he seems like he really does genuinely, like, really like it here. And behind the scenes has uh, at least, like, seemingly reportedly been a key leadership presence. I think here I think he feels like a real purpose right now. And I just think given that he's won two championships already, I think it's being a part of a team that could maybe kind of have a – kind of foundational setting run to a playoff berth would be very meaningful for him. And that considering that they actually do allow him to kind of do some stuff uh, offensively as opposed to earlier years, I, I think he very well would consider come back like, on like just a minimum deal. Um, I, of course, I don't know for certain, but I, I think that that is a real seller for him. It'll be interesting to see what his market is if he does stick with Cleveland. Oh, he'll have one, but uh, he is going to be, I mean, an age 34 season, so that's just kind of what exactly. I'm thinking. I mean, he's, he'll be older, and I mean, it's always kind of up in the air. We'll have to see you know, how things shake out. He could be a minimum guy. That's a very real possibility. I mean, we, we see kind of well, some... It, it depends on the situation he's in, you know, how long he makes it into free agency, but what are you saying? No, yeah, it, it, nothing else, really. But, yeah, you make, you make great points there. But... It, it, it could end up being more, you know, towards yeah. a chunk of the mid-level. We'll just have to see. Maybe he values, you know, maybe he values, you know, years over, you know, a one-year large salary. Maybe he gets a multi-year biannual. We'll just have to see. But either way, he's not going to be a guy who's terribly expensive. You know, it's not going to be a situation where it's like, are, are we going to overpay to keep this guy? Um, I, I don't think that that's something that you're going to have to be concerned about. It will just be more of a thing of... Does he want to stay here? Uh, which I think, again, there's a legitimate chance that that is the case. Um, especially if the organization were to commit to him uh, and keep him past this trade deadline and, you know, keep him in a, a solid role in the rotation. I think that would, you know, send a message to him that they want him to be around. Me personally, I am still in the trade him camp. Uh, I think if you can get him to a contender, I still think that is something that he would be happy with. Um, just from his standpoint. From the Cavs' standpoint, I still believe in just trying to get an asset for him. Uh, if you have two seconds on the table, I think you should absolutely do it, even if it is just one second-round pick. Uh, I, I think it's worth it. I think, obviously, the off-court stuff and the leadership aspect of it has been really, really valuable, and that's not something that you could just scoop up. But just looking at a level of play, I think that the, the level of play you know that we need from a backup center and that he has provided, well, has been good, is fairly replaceable. Um and that's just the the mindset of me. And I think I, I'm not saying that I would be upset if he's not flipped. Um, 
I, I don't really... I, I won't mind it either way, depending on what happens with him. But I would say that I am still in the trade JaVale and get him to Miami or Brooklyn or whoever else is interested in him. Uh, and I'd like to see him play another role on a real playoff team this season. I think that would, like I said, be good for him. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. We'll shift from one veteran to another. We'll talk a little bit about Kevin Love, who came back uh, after the All-Star break, played 10 minutes in the game, came back, didn't even play, I don't think, a minute in the next game. Um, apparently just didn't feel right out on the floor uh, and, had, like I believe, rushed immediately back to the locker room. And he came back out and he's, you know, he hasn't had a re-aggravation, I don't think, of any injury. And it doesn't seem like it's anything serious. But it just doesn't seem like he was ready yet, which is concerning to say the least, considering that he was out for as long as he was, you know, out much longer than expected. That um, a minute into a game, he you know felt like he was having trouble again. I'm gonna do. What do you view as Kevin Love's future right now in Cleveland? I think it's a really, really difficult answer to, or a really, really difficult question to answer, just because we don't know the status of his health right now. We don't know if this is something that he's going to be back from, you know, later this week or if it's going to be, you know, another few weeks or if it's going to be a month or if it's going to be the rest of the season. We don't really know right now. But what do you just kind of as a gut feeling, what do you think is going to happen with Kevin right now? Honestly, I could very well see Kevin Love end up in a Blake Griffin type situation where the Cavs, maybe not this season, of course, potentially in like the last year of his deal, I, I could see the Cavs look to to really move on because I'm I'm not too sure myself that he'll be back on an extension, even when his contract is up. I mean, I I don't even know. You talk about a guy who throughout his entire career, mainly during his time with Cleveland, he's always had these injuries that have kept him out for t- for for periods of time, extended periods of time. Yeah. So I mean, if he's not really providing you with anything on the court, I don't really know his value now the reason why I'm, I'm comfortable with you know potential buyout happening is just because Larry Nance Jr. has really you know progressed tremendously this season and I feel like he could take another step next season in a starting role so having him having that you know sort of security blanket is what the, the Cavs call him you know makes me comfortable with any potential moving of Kevin Love I'm still not sure that I'm ready to begin the buyout situation just yet. I feel like with two years of, you know, 30 plus, not 30 plus, but on average over $30 million a year left, uh, that, that's just, I think it's, unless it's, you know, something that Kevin Love is desperately trying to get out, I don't really think that that's, I don't think it's the exact same situation as Blake Griffin. I feel like Blake Griffin just really wanted to get out of Detroit. Um, I don't know exactly if that's the case with Kevin right now, at least not to that degree. Um Amadou, if Kevin Love does come back this season, what do you see as his role even? Because we talk about all these guys, um, Isaac, Larry, you know, at least as guys is playing power forward. Um, Larry, Kevin, Dean Wade, you know, playing fantastic. Tarion, you know, maybe logging some minutes at the four. Lamar Stevens in the mix. Um what do you see as as Kevin Love's role right now? And I didn't ever think I would be saying this before the season, but Dean Wade is playing really, really, really solid basketball right now, and I don't know if it's worth having Kevin Love interfere with that. Mm. 
I don't know. I personally feel like that whenever he's healthy, I do think he'll start to take uh, Dean Wade's minutes. I, I think I he will, think, too. Yeah. Just because, I mean, he's he's at vet on the team. He's been with the team. Um, I think currently he's, he is the longest tenured uh, Cavalier, aside from Matthew Delvedova, whatever you want to you know, count his tenure. Obviously, he had that gap where he did go to Milwaukee. But either way, I feel like that starting lineup or that starting power forward spot is his for right now. Just because I, I don't think I mean, you're not going to start Larry Nance over him. You're not going to have $30 million coming off the bench. And I, I do think also that, you know, maybe we could start to see the Cavs, you know, take some of his minutes away just to, you know, further prevent injuries. And, of course, give those to Dean Wade. But as of right now, he, he is that starting power forward for me. Dan, what do you kind of view as his role being on this team the rest of this season? And obviously we'll see if what if minute restrictions might dictate that the rest of the year. I don't know if we'll see him play more than 15 minutes in the game because I don't know if he'll be capable of it. Um, I'm clearly I, – I'm honestly – I'm not convinced that we will see Kevin Love play 30 minutes at any point in this season. I just don't know if he's capable of doing it. But um, – Overall, how, how are you kind of feeling? Obviously, it's it's all kind of speculation for my part because we don't know the status of his, of his injury. But what would you kind of see his role being when he comes back? Yeah, I, I think with him, it's going to be a kind of a work in progress type thing. I, I would think like at max, I think you'd have him do. I mean, he'll start, I would imagine, but I, I think. Ideally, maybe eventually he'll be – you kind of play him like three kind of five-minute spurts and then you kind of play it by ear from there. Uh, and I just think at max minutes, he'd play like half the game. I don't really know if I see more than that. Um, but I just think with him, eventually they'll – I think it's a high possibility he gets moved in the offseason. I, I, again, I don't know as far as like a true trade. If he's movable. Yeah, if he's movable. I just think with <laughs> they'll try to get him to play half the game at least. Maybe you see something out of that. Uh, I, I would think with Venn two years left on his deal, I think somebody would be interested in him. And... Uh, I just think for the Cavs, they kind of have to move him this offseason. I don't. I just don't think there's, um, and I I think it's too early to talk about like a buyout type thing. But if you get really some sort of young, intriguing young piece back, and or are willing to take on bad salary back, okay. But uh, yeah. I, but as far as Dean Wade, yeah, it's been really good to see, but. Yeah, if, if Love, if and when he is back in there, he's frankly going to be taking his, his minute share. He will be taking his minutes. I I don't doubt that that will happen. I just doubt whether it's it's even worth it to significantly cut into his minutes. And again, I don't even know if that would happen with minutes restrictions being the case. I think there's been a little bit more buyout discussion with Kevin Love now than you know there was earlier in the season. I think most of that just comes from the fact that who knows if he's even going to be able to stay healthy. But the, my, my kind of thing with the Kevin Love buyout scenario is I don't think that the Cavs really have a reason to buy him out unless he is, like, unable to play completely. And at that point, if he's unable to play completely, there's really no reason for Kevin Love to give back money to get off the team. Uh, I, I just I think it's still a little bit too early to start entertaining the idea of a Kevin Love buyout, at, at least this season. Um, 
by the time next season rolls around, maybe we'll see where he is as a player, as you know, health wise. It, it's just it's too early to tell. But um, obviously, we did just see it happen with Blake Griffin with two years of even more money on his books than Kevin Love has. Uh, he gave back thirteen million dollars in that deal. We could see something similar for Kevin. I will just ask you this though, Amadou. Um, we've seen. <laughs> I don't even know who it was who posted it on Twitter, but saying that the Kevin the Kevin Love basically stole whatever the number the it, it's a large number, but the extension that he signed with the Cavs this past extension that was quite hefty that he stole that amount of money from the Cavs. We saw that Colin Sexton liked that tweet. Obviously, he unliked it after it kind of became a story. Um, and there's always been kind of a thing there that, you know, people have speculated that maybe those two don't love each other. Uh, and I think both of them have come out and publicly denied that. That doesn't mean that they have to tell the truth in public. But do you think that there's anything there uh, between, you know, those two guys that you should read into it all? Or do you th- what do you make of that? I personally don't make very much of it. But do you take anything away from that? No, I I personally don't. I feel like it's just, you know, the Cavs cannot go a, a full season without something drama filled happening. I don't know. Personally, I feel like those two are are pretty good friends. You know, you talk about when there's a timeout or anything happens. I don't know, plays anything. You you're seeing Kevin Love when he's on the sideline like, celebrating. You know, he's the one that always really likes to talk to Colin Sexton, talking about what he sees on the floor and stuff like that. Um, I think at one point last season after Love, you know, had his the whole debacle happened with uh, against Oklahoma City. I think when it was Sexton's 21st birthday, they both had went to the bar and, you know, had drinks and whatever. I don't know. I feel like the media saying that those two don't like each other, I think that's just a narrative. Personally, I feel like they're good friends. I wouldn't really take anything away from that like tweet. I mean, it's Twitter, honestly. You, you could accidentally like something. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really dig too deep into that. Do you take anything away from that, Dan, or do you just kind of shrug it off the same way? Yeah, I'm in agreement with Amadou there. Um, I, I just think, and given how inactive Sexton is on on social, it's it's not really. I don't even like. Does he actually run his Twitter? I, I'm not. I think there's kind of speculation even in that. So, um, yeah, I, I just it's it's not much to me. Um, and frankly, with how guys kind of like Larry Nance is an example, other guys even just joke around with Kevin. Um, it, it, I just it's just hard. Like people making a story out of that. Like, come on. Um, it, there's just not much to it. And even if he did, I, I just think behind closed doors, like the the two, they're mature guys. They'll they'll be able to handle it. And I just I don't think there's anything to it, especially with how much kind of Kevin has kind of raved about Colin and just how he's often or has said, like, he's the hardest worker. I I think I may have been around. It's just there's just not much to it to me. I just it's just a complete non story, in my opinion. I'm with you on that. Um it is a fair point. I didn't even really consider it. I don't know if Colin even runs his own Twitter account. Uh, looking at the the liked posts uh, that he has, there are very few and far between. Like, he's not someone who just likes, you know, multiple posts a day, which is kind of eyebrow-raising as to why that got liked if it was an accident or if it was even him. But at the end of the day, it's it's one like that was undone that 
I, I think, like you said, Dan, they're both mature enough people. I don't think that anything's really going to become anything out of it. I'll, I'll end with this. The Cavaliers play the Spurs next. Um, a team that just lost LaMarcus Aldridge. Obviously, we've had the LaMarcus conversation plenty with the Cavs and Andre Drummond. Dan, I'll start with you. How do you think this game is going to go? Obviously, the Cavaliers have a little bit of momentum off the, after this game against the Celtics, which I thought they played really well. Uh, the, the Spurs are also another good kind of young core fun team uh, that has been playing, you know, solid basketball as of late. Who do you take in this game? Maybe I'm a little delusional, um, riding the wave a little bit. Cavs by 50. But I'm going to say the Cavs do win, actually. Um, it's I, I, would, I think this one will be uh, kind of plenty of up and down um, stuff. I think it'll be fun to see how the young core kind of matches up with guys like um, Walker the fourth. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how DG handles um, Murray's ball pressure, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I think the Cavs actually win by kind of a down the stretch type thing. Lucas Amon is coming on for the Cavs, Dan. How many is he dropping? Or is coming on for the Cavs, but coming on for the Spurs. Um, Lucas Amonitz is actually like playing some minutes. I'll say he gets four moves with well without the ball, maybe. Drew Eubanks, I, I'd like to see uh, Isaac Horo dunk over him. That'd be nice. Drew Eubanks, obviously one of the better dunks in the bubble. But uh, Amadou, who you got in this game? Um, yeah, I'm excited for the guard play from both teams. DeJounte Murray, uh, Derek White's back. I'm excited to see how Sexton and Garland handle that. And we're also going to see Delvisel versus Azekoro. You know, those are the two guys who are slated as the top defenders in this class. Um, I think for the cap, personally for me, it was between him and Okoro, Vassell and Okoro in the draft for me, but I'm excited to see how those two fare. Um, personally, I'm going to go with the Cavs. I feel like the Cavs played inspired basketball yesterday. They're going to play inspired basketball once again during that game. And I think the game will be close, though. Yeah, I think these are two young teams. Uh, you know, we could see some mistakes made on both sides, you know, turnover-wise and whatnot. Um, I'm not going to be the guy, though, that says the Cavs lose this game, especially not after both of you say so. Um I'll take the Cavs in this one. I think it'll be a really close one. I'm not saying that with much confidence. But you know what? This team rides the wave when it's high and, and crashes with it when it's low. But uh, I think that they might have a little bit of momentum building here. Um, I'll take the Cavs. Yeah, and Dylan and Keldon, uh, that should be interesting too. Oh, yeah. Hey, another, uh, yeah, another kind of draft range matchup. Mm-hmm. But um, either of you guys got anything else before we get out of here? On a 1-10, to 10, Dan, ranked the Isaac Okoro over Jason Tatum. Quote-unquote over. It wasn't really like a dunk on, but the Jason Tatum dunk. Yeah, I don't know. If, I'm not counting as over, but let Celtics Twitter brew about it. Um, I'll say a... I'll say 7.2. I mean, it was, it was a, a solid finish. Uh, kind of... I mean, he did have to get up there, so... With the contact and everything, too, I'll give it an 8. Amadou, where are you at on that one? 
I'll give it a 10, honestly, just because, you know, hey. in the moment, that, that, that was an amazing dunk. That was, it was exciting. The, in the, the moment, moment, yeah, it does, yeah. does add to it. You know, I'll, I'll upgrade it to a 7.8. Fair enough. Uh, I'll take any bump I can get. Um, I was more excited by that than any dunk I saw in the All-Star game. In the, or not, in the dunk contest, I should say. Yeah, that's um, fair, too. Cassius Stanley, I'll still argue, was robbed, uh, had the best dunk of the contest. But anyway, that's way past. We don't need to worry about it anymore. Um, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amadou, for hopping on. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, subscribe. Uh, never miss a future episode. If you're listening on Apple, leave a rating. Leave a, a five-star rating. Super easy to do. Just click the stars. Click the fifth one. Uh, leave a review if you want to as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens against the Spurs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. You guys are a five-star viewer, so. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.